Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Buenas mi gente, what is up, what is good, Machete Mate back, full complement of um, of hosts, we got Austin back after he was MIA for 30 years in Guantanamo or something, I don't know, but he's here now, he's he's, he's with us, so we got everybody here, um, and to our credit as well, I'm just going to pat myself on the back, back-to-back shows for the first time in however long tea, I don't know, forever, um, uh, so hopefully we can get back on, 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 on track and actually make this... Um, a thing you know get our shit together but in saying that thank you for everyone who's sort of um kept on the bandwagon um kept supporting us stayed um stayed uh compas oficiales and you know homies of the show friends of the show because we definitely appreciate y'all and this is why we do this for for y'all to hopefully bring perspective of things that people might not necessarily know about or um have exposure to um, that's why we do what we do, um, and that's why it's a labor of love for us. Um, in saying that, I'm Leroy, coming from unceded Nam in so-called Melbourne, Australia, with the homie T. T, what is good? Hey, hey, how's it going, y'all? And like I said at the top, unfortunately, we have Austin back. What's up, Austin? Oh. What's up, what's up? <laughs> the star is back, baby. Yeah, all right, all right, whatever. All anyway. Right whatever speaking of which also why don't you why don't you why don't you kick off the vibe check what's going on what's good oh my goodness i should kick this off should I? first of all i should thank you both for uh holding down the fort here or lack thereof i suppose i should say since you guys basically did one episode but it's okay um <laughs> wow wow <laughs> no but seriously thank you for recording one episode in my absence right uh what i was gonna say was i had to take a little bit of a hiatus right like a I stepped back after I stepped back from, you know, heavy duty organizing or whatever. I uh, devoted some time to my uh, other podcast that I do, right? The pro wrestling one, Proletariat Laria, check it out, um, which occupied some of my time, um, but really took a little bit of a break. Breaks are good, right? Burnout is a serious, serious thing that we all deal with, right? We can only be effective when we're really caring about ourselves right checking in ourselves i hope you guys have also been taking time like obviously i'm busting both your balls right i hope you both have also been taking time to like recharge your batteries and whatnot you know world falling apart all around us that's pretty stressful right things we're talking about today are some pretty heavy duty stories um but no my vibes like bro my vibes are good dare i say it's good vibes only dare i say it's good vibes only um, what about you, T? You look like you're doing okay there. Your beard looks nice and full and beautiful. Have you ever measured it? My goodness. That's got to be at least some sort of respectable Hobbit, like I have not. Um, I, my beard is, you know, it's like Samson, you know, my oh, beard is, you know, my, my beard is like my, where I, my, the source of my power. I feel that. So, you I feel know, that. You know, exactly. So like if I, if I, you know, if I were to shave it or cut it, you know, it would, it would mean just, it would be a devastating, um, blow to my um raw animal oh. magnetism that i just exude oh. just as, in a, as a general kind of like essence you know so my vibe is you know you know it's animalistic of course so yeah. uh, other than that you know it's, it's it's good you know um my uh parents came to visit town uh took them around town to a couple of spots so that was fun um but yeah i'm, I'm chilling you know uh Good job, good vibes, good uh, good living right now. What about you, Leroy? You know it. Always been Um Yeah, I'm chilling. Chilling. Um, got my tax return back from the here in Australia because hey. tax season is July to June. And um, I was telling you boys, it's funny that like the worst people, like you're talking about, you guys talk about like it was Trump that gave you that, that $1,400 check. You know what I mean? It wasn't Democrats. It was fucking Trump. And like, I got a nice piece of cheddar 
thanks to the outgoing right wing government of Australia. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, but it's, it's, that's a well played, like political thing that they did. They passed that and like, they dared labor to like cut it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it is what it is, but yeah, works, works fine. Um, working a lot. I'm here at home. Um, continue to learn. Cause I was telling you boys that, um, Obviously, I always talk about my son. He's 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 autistic, non-speaking. Um, he has different tools to like communicate, and I've been really digging into um like learning signs so that we can both sort of use more tools for him to communicate. Um, so I've been learning keyword signs. So it's basically a simple, more simplified version of um Auslan. So like we're showing sign language, um, and hopefully building for that in the future that we have those tools to communicate as well. He has a little um little device that you put like little different words and he can sort of make sentences and stuff like that, um, which he's, he's a wizard at that. He's really quick at making things. So even though he's not speaking, he's one of the most resourceful human beings I've ever met in my life. And he, he, he finds a way, he finds a way. It's, it's, it's incredible to watch. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing that and um, yeah, it's still cold. It's up and down here. It's getting warmer, but it's still, still too cold for my liking. Austin, were you going to ask me a question or something? Uh, yes, I was. Um, how do you say Australian can help. in Australian sign? Because in American sign language, it's, it's like kangaroos or some shit like that. I'm 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 not I'm not sure to be honest. In American sign, but like it's wild because. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say because it's wild because Auslan is completely different to like ASL. So how like an ASL you can do like the alphabet all like in in one letter in one hand, like for instance, like people off camera can't see, but like. In ASL, this is A, right? So basically, you oh curl your hands into a fist and you do this shit. But in Auslan, it's you point at your thumb. That's A. So the vowels are you basically you point at each 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 um, finger. So thumb is A, index finger is E, I, O, U, and so on, so forth. Um, and it's a lot of both hands. Whereas I feel like um, ASL is a bit more one-handed, um, which I, which I which I guess has its its benefits and its purposes and stuff. Yeah, it derives it derives from uh, English sign language, uh, which Australian yeah. sign language comes from. You know, as you know, people may or may not know, ASL does not descend from English sign language. A deaf person signing from England using English sign language and American uh, using ASL would not be able to understand each other. They are completely yeah. separate languages with different grammar structures. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that two handed stuff is definitely a much more common feature of uh, English sign language. It comes from French. Yeah. ASL, yes, yes. ASL comes from French. An interesting legacy of the French Revolution as it well, happens. Uh, but that's, yeah. that's a story for another day. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so definitely, if you get a chance, definitely learn sign language because I think that's something that we should all be learning anyway in schools because why not? You know what I mean? Anyway, um, cool. Keep the ball rolling here. So there's a lot that we could be talking about. There's a big, you know, constitutional plebiscite referendum coming up in Chile that's monumentally important. We're not going to be talking about that today, but we could. Um, a lot of other things going on in the region, but today we're going to be talking about three stories as we usually do. Um, we're going to be doing a Puerto Rico story, so we'll finish off with that. Um, just incredibly hilarious Puerto Rico story. One of those things that's just, again, continuing comedy of errors in Puerto Rico. And it's, it was expected. Um, the, everything that's going on in Colombia with Petro becoming president, his cabinet and um, his inauguration. That was very, very interesting. But we'll kick it off in Cuba. About a week ago, Cuba saw what's gone down as their biggest um, natural disaster, industrial natural disaster in their history. So basically a lightning sh- uh, lightning bolt struck one of their central like oil tankers. That's basically the central node of their entire power grid, as, as T mentioned. Fire broke out. Um, I think there's something like 100 people injured. A couple dozen um, died. Um, you know, it's it very, very, very bad. So solidarity with them as well. What we saw is an instant response from Mexico and Venezuela sending um, resources, sending people, sending experts to try to help that. I think um, Argentina as well was trying to do... Um, a like a solidarity fund as well to try to help out the people there and this comes on the back of looming crisis in cuba so just like everywhere else COVID has ravished them the blockade 60-year blockade has ravished them um so this is the last thing they 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 probably needed um because they're already seeing really massive blackouts and this is just 
if they were at zero trying to get their shit together, now they're be- they're below that trying to get their shit together. You know what I mean? Um, it's very very unfortunate. So nothing but solidarity to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we wanted to to lead off with this particular story for for a lot of different reasons. I think one because this only just happened uh, uh, about like a week and a half ago, right? This is in the Caribbean. This is near and dear to our heart as Puerto Ricans, right? This is in Cuba. This is near and dear to our heart as as leftists, right? Um, and I think there's a lot of different. Uh, I think this story is a lot deeper than just a uh, an explosion at a facility, right? Like you said, Leroy, uh, a bolt of lightning struck this facility in Matanzas, right? Um, the fire was massive, right? The pictures were terrifying, disturbing, startling, whatever word you want to use, right? The oil plumes were covering over Havana, right? Very, very sad sight to see. Um, as you mentioned, Leroy, and, and you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, for a leftist Latin American podcast, speaking from a Marxist perspective, we don't really talk about Cuba that much, right? We don't really talk about um, what's going on in Cuban society, what have, what developments have happened. We've obviously talked about it here and there. I know we've had Andres Pertierra on, right? Um, in the last 10 years, like you touched upon, Leroy, Cuba's seen a lot of different changes, right? Um, obviously, the Castros are no longer in control of... Uh, the Cuban state or the Cuban party, right? Miguel Diaz-Canel is president. Um, something that people gloss over so much, and I'm going to relate this here to, to what happened here in a moment. The new constitution in Cuba, right? I think that's so, like, just completely ignored by, like, everybody, by, like, leftists. <laughs> like, nobody really talks about that. Um, this, this process in Cuba of attempting to recognize that there is sectors, there is levels of dissatisfaction within Cuban society right now. Right. And attempting to reach Cuban people and getting them uh, more involved with the government these days, um, a more participatory process uh, that develop uh, that developed out of the new constitution um, term limits for uh, executives. Right. Things like that. Um, a lot of these different reforms. Um, I think we'd also be remiss. Right. And, and, and Leroy, you mentioned COVID and whatnot. Of course, we'd be remiss without mentioning the protest that happened last year. Right. The protests that happened in different parts of Cuba, um, I think it can be be lost on people sometimes that, I mean, Cuba's because of the blockade, right? Cuba's in an internally precarious situation, right? We all know that, right? But I would say, like, just from things that like I hear from people, and just from like people I know, like in Cuba or associated with Cuba, right? Like, things have been difficult, very difficult in the last like half decade, really, like. Like things are like, <laughs> this is one of the last things that they would need it, right? <laughs> Something like this, obviously, exactly. right? Yeah. So like, it's it, it, people got to recognize that the sanctions uh, or that Trump heightened, like canceling direct flights and all this other bullshit, and like ending like remittances and things like that. That stuff is damaging. It's devastating, right? Like, uh, people love to like look at the the Trump or like. To me, and this is probably something else entirely, and I'll, I'll pass it back to both of you here in a second. Um, to me, the greatest myth of the Donald Trump presidency, he was somehow like, okay, well, at least his foreign policy was like kind of like, you know, unique or whatever. No, it wasn't. <laughs> he bombed Syria, right? Like, no. Is anyways. That's once again. That's and he fucked. And yeah, go ahead, D. Yeah, you know the thing to remember, like everything that um, I'm hearing is that. You know, dire is is almost an understatement for the conditions in Cuba right now. Like there, there are people saying that it's it's like getting it's getting closer and closer. You know, you hear the words "special period" whispered again. You know, this is of course referring to the time period in the '90s after the collapse of the Soviet Union, when re, you know the, at the end of history, uh, a time of incredible crisis in in Cuba. Um, uh, it's not getting to that point and of course finding information on cuba is very difficult um but you know we got to paint a picture in some respects like with covid you know they the cuban government kind of made the bet that after covid would dissipate uh they would be able to try you know what does cuba need cuba needs foreign currency right it it's something that it just doesn't have right now right one way it can get foreign currency is through tourism right well with the plague being allowed to rage unchecked worldwide, with this new monkeypox plague starting to come about, 
tourism still hasn't picked up, right? So you have that on one end. And then the other hand, you have the decaying infrastructure, much of it a result of the blockade because of the inability to get, you know, supplies, uh, different imports, things along those lines. So Cuba was already experiencing rolling brownouts, you know, through the summertime. This is what kicked off those demonstrations that happened last year. You know, not, you know, I, uh, with, sorry to my, uh, to some uh, comrades, but, uh, you know, not all of those demonstrations were like a CIA plot. Canceled. I'm sorry. They just weren't. <laughs> right. I'm canceled now. This just facts. Like to, to pretend that they were all a CIA plot is, is fucking stupid. It, it just is like, there is discontent. As you said, Austin, the, uh, the new constitutional process in Cuba is a testament to that, that there is discontent in Cuban society. Right. I fear, you know, this, the destruction, this fire hit a critical point in their, uh, electrical, uh, in their electrical grid. It doesn't just produce electricity like close by, but in, for various places, um, yeah. it, uh, you know, and again, this is already, you know, on top of the existence of the rolling brownouts, right? So this will only exacerbate the situation. The lack of tourism, tourism is going to exacerbate the situation. I, you know, it's this is the last thing that they needed, frankly. Yeah, hundred percent. And a few good points you made there. Um, first of all, with the foreign currency, like I read this thing that like there's a like an expat community in the UK and they're trying to set up a GoFundMe to raise money to send to Cuba, but because the GoFundMe is a US. Uh, company and the sanctions they weren't allowed to raise money to send so i mean if, if if the sanctions are you know against government and for the people like like you know what you know what i'm fucking saying like it's, it's, all, it's all fucking bullshit um and to your point about like the um the protests as well one thousand percent like you, you could talk about yeah maybe they're highly influenced by like foreign you know operations or whatever but at the same time there's going to be genuine discontent with any sort of government structure any sort of society right like especially in cuba especially in the societies that we want to build like i don't think the three of us are under the illusion that once we have you know a glorious revolution everything's going to be utopia like that's we understand that that's when the work starts we know that um to use a um a cancelable um phrase we know there's going to be a state of permanent revolution right um so that it's gonna be it's gonna be <laughs> so it's gonna be constant so these things are gonna pop up right these contradictions are gonna heighten that's the whole point of you know if you're a marxist it's about recognizing these contradictions and try to do something about them to try to synthesize them and try to you know get over it and try to move move forward um but yeah man like and thinking about covid and, and the crisis there like it's 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 sad it's depressing i don't even know what the word is the fact that like cuba has such a vibrant and such a good like medical industry right their medical infrastructure there that they have you know the best trained doctors in the world some of the best you know techniques best you know whatever but they're lacking like syringes they're lacking basic things to be able to exercise the things that they've developed worldwide right because in the, in the height of the covid like they were one of the first to develop the vaccine but they couldn't really you know uh dole it out because they were lacking they were lacking syringes you know what i mean they were lacking like sanitation things because of this fucking blockade right so like um it just makes me angry i mean that's one of the great tragedies that's one of the great tragedies of the blockade you know i mean i wish we could see what would cuban society evolve into evolve towards without that blockade you know if they had the opportunity to function if they were allowed to function as a recognized equal you know member state of the world community if you if you want to use that phrase um the 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 blockade really is is it, it's it's so important and and again it's easy to like to shift blame uh you know from the cuban state to blaming everything on the blockade, you know, sure, you know, there has been mismanagement, you know, what is a phrase we like to say here, something you said, Austin, government's going to government at the end of the day, right? Um, but they can't even government in a way because of the blockade, you know, they don't even have the opportunity to fully government like a government could. Ah, uh, yes, this is what I was about to say. I have, I'm compelled to push back on this Trotskyism I'm hearing from both of you, my goodness. And let me be very oh, clear. Sure. I am a well-known Trotskyist, so this is not from a sectarian angle, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay, so a couple different things I wanted to say. Uh, so, T, you mentioned, like, yeah, like some of the, the protests, of course, were coming from um, real discontent on the ground. Absolutely. 
However, I think it's incredibly important to add that that discontent is fomented by the blockade, right? When I look at these protests yeah. as like inseparable from U.S. influence, that's how I look at it, right? Like these protests are amplified because of the blockade. Because, yeah, if people don't have electricity or food, you damn right they're going to start rioting, right? And it's at that yeah, point yeah, when organic right. discontent has happened, that's when the color revolution happens, right? This idea that a color revolution is, oh, okay, there's the jackbooted thug and the CIA is on the ground. No, it's about manipulating real discontent, right? It's, it's dare I say, yes. it's the right-wing equivalent of like vanguardism, right? It's like looking at those moments when there's popular uprising and making sure that your man gets in power. But anyway, that's, that's, now we're getting to like a – I know you guys agree with all that. That's like a philosophical debate. And like I, I, before we leave from the Cuba topic though, like unless you got has, had other things to say, I, I did have a question that I wanted to pose to both of you. Um, I'd say one of the biggest demands – and we'd be remiss without like plugging like donation. Like I know Code Pink has like a, a donation thing they're doing. Like I know a lot of different organizations are sending donations to Cuba. Donate I, to whatever the fuck I would recommend because um, people are suffering. Um, here's my question. Like there's been a push after this to pressure Biden to loosen sanctions. I've even seen some of the more moderate establishment Democrats like fucking like Gregory Meeks and was it Jim McGovern and some other fucking people like came out like saying, yeah, we need Biden's. You must what the fuck? Like we need to lift sanctions to help our neighbor here. Right. Quote unquote neighbor. Um, do you guys think that we will see progress? And I know there's been tepid movement already. Like I think minor like changes with remittances. Uh, yeah, w predictions. Do we see any sort of movement under the Biden administration as regards relations with Cuba? Anybody? No. Damn. How about you, Leroy? No, I really don't. I really don't. He has nothing to gain from it. Biden has yeah. nothing to gain from from loosening the blockade. So why do it? You know. There's no point for him to do it. Obama's original, you know, foreign policy had this kind of like liberal, like do-gooder aspect quality to it. Uh, this idea that they were going to chart a bold new course, so they were willing to do, you know, uh, they were to tr willing to try new things. I, I don't think Biden has. I don't think the Biden administration has any interest in that at all. They have what? What for? What purpose? It does in their minds. In the Democrat brain. They think they do. They still think they have a chance to win over Miami's vote. You know, they still yeah. believe that they can do that. They still believe it's possible somehow, despite all evidence to the contrary for what? Let me check my fucking watch. Like 60 deck, you know, 60 years. They, yeah. they, they still think so. So no, no, I don't. I really don't. I'd be, I'd be pleasantly and happily surprised if so. I agree with 1,000%, 1,000%. And like, let me tell you something about being the, the Floridian here. Like what Democrats don't understand, Democrats think, you know, they, they're all about the core, about, you know, we'll win on, you know, good ideas or whatever, you know, we'll, you know, we'll help the people, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then, they'll, then these bad Republicans, the good ones will come over to our side. It doesn't, no matter what Biden does, Biden, Biden is a raging communist. You know what I mean? So lifting the sanctions, like, 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 you know what I mean? Like it's all, it's all bullshit. Um, and like you said, they have nothing to gain, especially now that we're about to go to war with China as well, with the rising Cold War with China. You lift the sanctions, you know, against Cuba, or you know, we're 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 playing to you know to to China, and then open allowing that you know trade, blah 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 blah, and all that bullshit. But no, absolutely not. I no. Nah. And again, like I'd be pleasantly surprised. You know, it'd be awesome, but nah, no way. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to agree. Right, I think I've made it clear before um, that I I voted for Biden literally only with the mind of hey maybe there'll be a loosening of uh sanctions on cuba and venezuela um no. which yeah it, 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 oh, oh, you fool i was about to say the only thing i could see is the most tepid bare minimum shit which is okay remittances and flights are back which hey hey that's that's great but like like i i truly believe that the cia fbi whatever the fuck they are absolutely doing daily briefings where they say something to the effect of five more years, five more years. And we've got them. They're struggling right now. Five more yeah. years. And we've got them. We cannot let our feet off the gas. I guarantee you they're having that conversation. Yeah. Any fucking way. Yeah. But, it, but it's because they don't know the, the heroic might of the United proletariat. So um, jokes yeah. on them. Right. Anyway, um, we'll jump in, we'll jump into Colombia now, but um, just to add a final point, like, when we're talking about Biden, we're talking about a guy who extolled his, you know, his hand and 
helping draft Plan Colombia and how, you know, the narcos and like all the guerrillas or whatever. You think this is the same man who's going to loosen ties, loosen like the sanctions in Cuba? No fucking way. But um, speaking of which, during the Colombia, um, our boy, Gustavo Petro, was officially inaugurated last week. Um, a lot of leaders across the, the region were there. So um, I think... Uh, Alberto Fernandez was there, uh, Maduro was there, I'm pretty sure, and it's funny that um, Bolsonaro sent, like, a little envoy, because obviously you have this fucking fascist that want to recognize, like, you know, a, you know, a sense of leftist in power. Um, made a lot of great speeches, Pedro did, you know, promising a lot of, you know, social equality type of things and a lot of the things that he, camp- he campaigned on. I think one of the funniest and I think one of the the best moments of inauguration was when he called for the Sorda Bolivar. Um, and everyone was clapping and, you know, losing their fucking mind, but the king of Spain did not react because um, obviously that was like the sword that Bolivar used, you know, to fight, you know, the, the mighty Spanish empire. And anyway, fuck Felipe. Um, but yeah, what do, how are we feeling? What do, you, what, what, what do you all think in terms of inauguration, in terms of like the cabinet appointments he's picked and all that stuff? Wow. There's a lot of different things that I would, that I would say. First, I just have to say, if I could enunciate, vocalize articulate uh a pet peeve of mine guys am i the asshole i kind of cringe whenever i hear and everybody's saying it i kind of cringe whenever i hear oh my goodness the first leftist president am i wrong like yeah i just hear that and uh, i'm just like what the fuck does that i just don't know what that even means like honestly like and once again this is so super semantic but like the only reason i say this is because one like and i said this on twitter the other day i was like one like how like how can we call something leftist before it's even happened right that's the first point that i make but two more importantly like is gustavo petro like the most like progressive president like ever elected in colombian history maybe but like this idea that like every single colombian president has been like a bloodthirsty like fascist dictator like it's just not true right is colombian society itself very right-wing obviously we know that right but like I'm sure like people like Ernesto Samper would like fancy themselves as like, I mean, granted he's like a liberal, but he would fancy himself like to the left of somebody like Uribe. Like, I don't know. That's a bullshit point. I'll shut the fuck up there. So moving. So yeah, Leroy, as you mentioned, the inauguration just happened. Gustavo Petro inaugurated president. And like I said, the leftist president, whatever that's to the side. That's just me being an asshole. I'm sure whatever. Um, Francia Marquez, vice president. It's amazing. Afro-Colombian woman as vice president of Colombia. That's incredible, right? Can't can't overstate that enough. Um, going into both his cabinet as well as some of his like first moves and some of the different things that have happened in his presidency so far. Um, oh my goodness! It's it's as any other story we talk about um, when we talk about Colombia. It's just amazing to just think this is Colombia we're talking about. I mean, my God, like this is remarkable in and of itself. Um, I think that Gustavo Petro and his people, his team, whatever the fuck, have approached his cabinet with the intention uh, and not even his cabinet, maybe even like his administration or whatever, with the intention of forming perhaps like we might call it like a team of rivals sort of thing, right? I think right now, a lot, uh, basically, almost every sector of Colombian society recognizes that Gustavo Petro has a massive mandate, right? And I think that there are going to be sectors of the elite, sectors of the bourgeoisie, if you will, um, that recognize that and are absolutely going to try to embed themselves within his government and within his movement, right? Just like you see with Lula and the PT right now. The PT is literally in coalition with bourgeois parties, right? It always has been, and it will continue to be. Um, and that could be said for, like, so on and so forth um with all of that said with all of that said with all that said right um oh my goodness i I have to say it's obviously early we're not even a a weekend right i've been encouraged by what i've seen so far personally i i i have been and and i'll explain why um i would my biggest concern was to see petro approach venezuela like boric has that was my biggest concern I have been pleasantly surprised to see him not do that, right? Um, He's reestablished relations with Venezuela. He's having open dialogue with Maduro. That's stunning. (laughs) Colombia and Venezuela, are they now have ambassadors again for the first time in years, 
right? Since the Guaido coup. That's amazing to me. Um, I look at that very, there's already talks about opening the border, right? I know Maduro himself has set up a, like a Colombia relations task force, which is being led by Delcy Rodriguez, the vice president of Venezuela, right? Vladimir Padrino, the defense minister of Venezuela is in discussions with the defense minister of Colombia, right? Talking about how they can like work together on different things. To me, I look at that as massive, massive development in, in my opinion. Right. Another big bright spot that I think we'd be remiss without discussing when I think about Petro's beginnings. Peace. Peace, not just with the FARC, right? The implementation of the peace deal, which was the shining, which was the cornerstone of Petro's whole campaign, right? Peace with the ELN, right? Peace talks with the ELN have restarted in Cuba. That's amazing. What's stunning to me, the Gulf Clan, the fucking Gulf Clan literally last week announced a ceasefire as a gesture of goodwill, right? Now let's remind ourselves, who the fuck is the Gulf clan, right? We talk a lot about, in fact, we talk a lot about FARC, right? The historical guerrilla movement, ELN, I should be clear, the National Liberation Army, that's like the longest surviving active left-wing guerrilla movement, which is still active in Colombia, um, started by liberation theologians, adherents of Foucault theory, deeply influenced by the Cuban revolution, et cetera, et cetera. Who's the Gulf clan? The Gulf clan are the modern descendant of like the right wing paramilitaries, right? They're the leading narco paramilitary far right death squad in Colombia. And these fucks are talking about putting down their arms, right? Or talking about doing a ceasefire, right? They had been going through a period of like, like a terror campaign for the last couple months since their leader was uh, uh, executed, Otoniel, right? Um, so I. Peace with FARC, peace with ELN, peace with Gulf Clan, right? It's like I say, it's all early. Obviously, to me, I see signs of encouragement. But I'll shut the fuck up now. T, go ahead. Sure. Well, you know, both governments have a have an interest in normalizing relations, especially in terms of defense, in terms of uh, the militaries, because again, that border is porous, and everybody knows that both governments have hands in resistant movements on the other side of the border. Anybody who pretends that the ELN is doesn't have like connections with elements of the Venezuelan military is naive. Anybody who claims that uh, right-wing elements in Venezuela in those states that border Colombia, which again has historically been a stronghold of opposition in Venezuela against uh, the socialist government, anybody who claims that they're not connected to elements in the Colombian military is fucking naive. So both sides have an interest in in like tamping down on you know the inflamed rhetoric of the of previous administrations. I think that this does this is like you said it is a very uh, encouraging start. Uh, but again, it's just a weekend. You know, I would not be surprised. You know, we'll see. I mean, it's all going to be predicated on what domestic economic policies are put through in, into the parliament and if. If the historic PAC coalition can hold, if the associations with the liberal and conservative parties uh, can hold, um, that that'll be the test. You know, like you said, I agree with you, Austin, that, uh, to, you know, the uh, business interests in, in Colombia will try to embed themselves in uh, in the new government. What I, you know, best case scenario in that is something that kind of similar to happened uh, in New Deal America in, in the United States during the New Deal where you had the kind of basically the more forward thinking and more intelligent members of the bourgeoisie knew that the only way their rule would be safe would be if they went along with New Deal policies. Because again, remember, let's remember what built up to this. Colombia has been experiencing intense civil strife and uh, popular mobilization for years now, for years. And this is not even including, you know, the actual armed struggle that was happening in the countryside. I'm talking about in the cities, uh, in organized labor, you know, they were experiencing intense pushback against the state. I mean, this is why the historic pact came to power. You know, it would not have come to power had there not been popular mobilizations, right? So I think the best case scenario is the more, I guess, um, the intelligent and craftier members of the upper class, you know, the ones who know that, yes, we'll have to give up, you know, a part of our fortunes to keep our power. 
You know, of course, there's going to be the extreme reactionary elements who will not concede an inch, will not concede a dime, you know, to to any progress. But his, you know, the goal of the government needs to be, in many respects, isolating that element. The fact that the Gulf clan is considering laying down their arms, I didn't even see that story. Like, hold, that is honestly huge because, I mean, those, those Colombian death squads are, are – if you want to read something or learn something that will make you – at the same time, both sick to your stomach and incredibly just furious. Read about some of the behaviors of of these right wing death squads in Colombia. But you know, it's also a testament to those popular mobilizations. There's no doubt in my mind that they've been losing some of their own popular support. You know, it's it's hard to recruit uh, people to hunt the commies or to to kill the uh, the peasants when like. They're the only ones who are going to who are who are saying things are fucked up when everybody in Colombian society is like, no, shit's got to change. It's very hard to recruit people who say, no, shit has to stay the same. No, 100 percent. And there's a few things there. Um, just a little bit of context on, you know, the, the that sort of Colombian border region of, of Venezuela that historically that's been a a hotbed for reaction. So when we look at like post-revolution in the 1800s, like post-Bolivarian revolution, like I'm talking about the original one, that's where all the biggest ascendados, the biggest landowners were. So whenever they pass a constitution redistributing lands and allowing squatters, you know, to re- to set up shop there, the wars were there, right? They wanted to reclaim that. Um, and a good point that was brought up as well is that the fact that the, the border is still porous, right? I think the fact because it's like almost a closed border makes it even more porous. So you have a lot of contraband goods coming into Venezuela. Um, so that 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 serves two purposes now by opening relations. That will take the pressure off of Venezuela um, because of one thing that we always talk about Venezuela is that they're under these unofficial sanctions or unofficial, unofficial blockades. So obviously the United States has sanctions against Venezuela, but that's a scare tactic for everyone else to try to punish Venezuela as well which heightens the crisis that, that's there. So just like Cuba, like people are going hungry in Venezuela, like people are running out of supplies in Venezuela because of this. Opening these borders, allowing for trade, or at least allowing for that potential to exist, will take the pressure off and like allow you know the revolution to get back on track, allow people to actually get the, the medicine they need, the food they need, you know what I mean? Um, while also formalizing the economy as well, right? Um, because obviously what we're trying to do in the Bolivarian Revolution is basically uplift the workers, uplift and um, what, what's, what's, what's it called? Um, uh, kind of do away with this sort of inf- informal economy and bring them in, in line with a national economy that works for everybody, you know what I mean? And having all these contraband goods just creates that black market that doesn't that works, it works against that as well. Um Oh my goodness. So a lot of different things I love to say to all that. Um, the first thing I would say, kind of circling back on, on a couple of different things here. Um, I, I mentioned at the top, right? Like his cabinet is a little bit of like a team of rivals sort of like uh, feeling. I didn't really expand what the fuck I even mean by that. Right. For any of my people who are normal people and don't get the nerd reference. Right. Um, well, what I mean by that is that a lot of his cabinet consists of like uh, liberals, career diplomats, career bureaucrats, things like that. Um, A lot of people, interestingly enough, uh, from the 90s, right, from the Ernesto Samper administration, Cesar Gavaria, some of his people are in there as well, Um, members of both the historical liberal party as well as the historical conservative party in Colombia are are involved as well. Um, It's essentially like a coalition of like all the major political parties except for the Uribistas, right? Which Uh I think is uh, remarkable for a lot of different reasons. Um, I think the number one reason is that uh, it's – what's it called? The Horibistas, it's a testament to just how unpopular and how shitty of a job Yvonne Duque did. Like, damn. Like, like people lose sight of how four years ago when Duque beat Petro in the election. Like, he beat him by, like, ten fucking points. And I know people say, oh, the election was right. Okay, I'm sure there was ballot stuffing, right? But, like, let's not lose sight about the fact that the Uribistas, like, had a popular base for a while, right? Like, the FARC peace deal vote failed. (laughs) Like, when it was, like, oh, God, how long ago? Almost ten years ago at this point. The FARC peace vote failed. Like, the original one, the referendum, that is. Um, The Uribistas had a powerful base. Like, it's been amazing to see in this span of, like, the last five years how they've completely fucking crumbled, right? And, like, now they're this isolated where, like, 
the the conservative party is working with Petro rather than them or elements of the conservative party, I should say, like, damn. Right. So that's like one thing that I wanted to mention as well. T, you mentioned the uh, <clears throat> domestic policies, right? Judging Petro's administration on domestic policies like at I look at this like Pedro Castillo, right? I have zero hope for domestic policies, right? Like to me, there's a there's like different baskets, right? Like when I looked at like Luis Arce getting elected in Bolivia, obviously, oh my God, we're we're helping preserve the domestic policies. When I look at Boris in Chile, like okay, I see actual potential for advancement on domestic policies. I don't see no fucking potential for advancement on domestic policies. Just like when Castillo got, it's because the Congress, because the way government structured, right? Like it's it's not going to yeah. happen, right? I, now with that said, that's not to say that like there aren't amazing things that can happen, right? Aside from foreign, foreign policy, right? We mentioned the FARC peace deal, right? There's elements of land reforms in it. Like the FARC peace deal, it's official. That thing's going to get implemented. That's a historic victory that can't even be underestimated. I know Petro's already unveiled like a tax plan, like of like raising like billions of dollars through like readjusting the tax code and like trying to combat tax evasion and like re-diverting from oil revenues, right? Like Petro's had good rhetoric on climate, right? Okay, these are good, positive things. Um, T, I think you also made a great point as far as like the business class and like comparisons to FDR or whatever. This is a point I try to bring home all the time to like dumbass, like white leftists in like the United States or whatever. You got to look at people like Chavez or Petro or these guys. These truly are like these countries as FDRs, right? That's what I try to the, try to analogy. I try to use to these people. Yeah. FDR and turned Jap- Japanese people and tried to pack the courts. He did some fucked up shit. Right. But I don't see white leftists in the United States say, okay, now we're throwing away the entire FDR legacy. Right. The way they do for brown leftists in like uh, in other parts of the world. Um, The uh, uh, and I think, once again, the fact that like different aspects of the business sector are going to get involved, like obviously. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. The FDR should have packed the course. Like, I'm not saying that was a bad thing. Um, But (laughs) anyways. Uh, sorry, there's some fucking bullshit going on in the chat here. Apparently, Leroy's dog shit Australian internet is fucking him up. Le- Aust- Leroy, fucking send an email to your boy Albanese. What the fuck's going on? I thought he was, or Albanese, whatever you call him. I thought he was supposed to be your boy. He ain't got internet in his fucking plan. Anyways, but. Disgraceful example of a lack of POC solidarity from their prime minister. <laughs> no, but the last, is, does he even hear us right now? I don't even fucking know. Anyways, so the, but the, the last thing I was going to say on that point was this is why we've all, what have we always called Petro? The Latin American Bernie. That's why, right? Did we call him, oh, Colombia got their Fidel? No, we literally never said that, right? We call Petro the Colombian Bernie for a reason, right? Because he is absolutely willing to work within the government and ultimately save the state right ultimately right for better or worse which not that's not to say oh my god fuck petro or bernie or whatever that's not the point that i'm trying to make there um another thing i wanted to mention goodness gracious there's so much meat on the bone here um <clears throat> going back to venezuela uh petro's foreign minister alvaro levia literally already took a trip to venezuela yeah. last year he fuck or last year last month he already took a trip to Venezuela. That's just an amazing sentence in and of itself. Uh, Maduro's uh, has already appointed Felix Plasencia, the former foreign minister of Venezuela, to be the Venezuelan ambassador to Colombia, just to show how serious they are taking this. Like, this is like Maduro's already doing the victory dance. Like, he's already like, "Fuck yeah, this is bolstering my base and and helping me in Venezuela," which obviously, you know, that makes me happy because I'm a partisan. Are, Anyways, go ahead. Are you, t- are, are, you, are, you, are you talking about the Arepa Accords? <laughs> that's good see, i like see, it see what i did there haha <laughs> because they because they both they both eat anyway Yo, shut the fuck up i don't know are you can anyway. i keep going or were you actually gonna say go, go, okay. go, no, go ahead go ahead bro okay, like, okay. I, just... I also i also wanted to say i loved what the homie david adler from the Progressive international he tweeted this out recently there's a great clip to anybody so so and there is a reason i'm about to mention this i see people already like ugh white leftists guys they're just unbearable sometimes like this happened with castillo it's happening with boric i just love this i told you so i told you nothing was gonna get done okay who like who serious said that that was not the case like it's mm, this fucking know-it-all have to be rightism is cancerous right um the reason i still like we can't lose sight of the uh, something that once again david adler promoted like the deputy assistant secretary of state of the United States literally fucking said if it was 40 years ago, Gustavo Petro would have been cooed. <laughs> the fucking deputy assistant secretary of state said that shit. 
come on guys like to me like it, it, let's have some perspective right what the fuck do i hate that i say all this podcast all the time and i'll pass it to you in a moment here Leroy. what the fuck do i hate more than anything else black and white thinking oh i hate black and white thinking it's not black and white guys there's going to be elements of this that are good that continue the worker struggle and get us closer to socialism in colombia there are going to be elements of this that are bad that don't help us that fuck over workers right it's not black and white yeah 100 percent. and i think um that speaks to something we always talk about here that for for capital for like for hegemonic powers they cannot tolerate anything that remotely threatens their existence so we look at we look at petro like you said like we call him like the the colombian bernie sanders right we we're under no illusion that he's going to bring about socialism in colombia or it's going to bring about a you know a revolution what we're talking about he's going to he's going to make mild reforms in a progressive direction like things that are going to improve the lives of others without threatening too many like we talk like we're literally sitting here talking about how there's members of the conservative party in his cabinet you know what i mean like there's members who served with um uribe you know, just in his cabinet and 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 government with him, but this is this is what we're talking about. That um, and I think that goes back to what we talked about at the top with Democrats trying to to curry favor with my the Miami Cubans or whatever. That no matter what happens, a certain section of us are always going to be called communists. We're always going to be called this or that, whatever, despite what we want to think. Go ahead, T. I think, you know, I just, it's, it's a good example. I mean, I, you know, I don't understand uncritically like loving a, a government uh, or uncritically despising one. I mean, in the sense that, that, you know, you take the W's where they come and you also accept the L's when they come, or, you know, you acknowledge your L's, uh, as we all like to say, always take the L. But you know, no one. The only people who are who are who are uncritically in love with the government are, I would say, you know, liberals and fools, right? People desperate for some kind of hope uh, in this very weary world. But it, you know, they're both two sides of the same coin. The intelligent thing to do is to try to analyze it, you know, with uh, with n- not necessarily nuance. You know, that word has been completely abused to shit in this day and age but but just to understand that you know it's a step in the right direction right and obviously you know the the most important quality you know the most important thing in in colombia is going to be the colombian people and their resistance and their popular mobilization you know whether or not it is in concert with the government you know that that dance that uh bolivarian socialist governments and movements do where they kind of have that frenemy thing we used to talk about a lot you know whether they behave whether they have a frenemy posture to, to the state um or when they're in open opposition to the state it what what is important is the popular mobilization and is the organization on the ground what's good though is that now they have the potential of reformist and and i think reformist is is a really good word to use here it is genuinely going to be a government of reform right and colombia is in desperate need of reform i mean look at the united states as a, as a comparison right the nlrb in the united states is the best nlrb that it's had in decades right and what has that meant it's been a good thing it's been a friend to uh, organize labor campaigns throughout the United States. It's no di- it'll be no different in Colombia. You will have good reforms that will assist, augment, and allow and strengthen the popular mobilizations that are going to continue in Colombia. If there's one thing that's guaranteed is there will continue to be protests. There will continue to be resistance. Um, there will be continued attempts at you know moving the dial just a little bit more in, the f- in favor of of human decency and harmony with the earth. Yeah, let me jump in here real quick before I um, hand it over to Austin. Even in his inauguration speech, Petro was talking about his new tax plan and about you know raising the tax rate for the, the top whatever percent whatever. And he even clarified that it wasn't going to be um, confiscatory, there was going to be reform. He used those exact words. Like, we're not going to go and confiscate people's wealth, whatever. We're just going to reform the tax code. And like, you know what I mean? You know, real, real, real commie shit. Too bad. 
It's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. A lot of different things I'd love to respond here, and we'll we'll move on to the next story here in a moment. Um, <clears throat> so first thing, I I also just wanted to uh, uh, mention, like I talked about the deputy assistant secretary of state. I also loved what I saw from Ted Cruz on the goddamn Senate floor, <laughs> literally Raphael? saying the same shit. Yeah, Raphael, terrified of Petro. Your boy DeSantis also a month back, a couple a month a couple months ago when Petro was first elected, talking shit, saying, "Oh my God, how the fuck?" Like this is just like. We got to put this into perspective, guys. This is a Colombian administration that has members of the conservative party in it. But like you put very well, Leroy, even the most mild change is unacceptable to them. This is what U.S. politicians do. They give billions of dollars to the most bloodthirsty sectors of Latin American society. Think about that for a second. They give billions of dollars. Like there is no greater example than Nicaragua. No greater example. Right. When a mass movement overthrew the Somoza government, a mass movement. And what happened? The United States gave billions to right wingers to disrupt that and cause perpetual civil war that has destabilized Nicaragua and Central America to this day. That's what the United States does. Right? And when I see Ted Cruz do that, I'm sorry, but there's no fucking excuse for any left wing politician to not be doing the opposite. Right. To not be saying, uh, actually, I believe in democracy, and that's bad. You shouldn't say that. That's the most run-of-the-mill milk toast thing that a left-wing politician could say, right? But the the absolute terrifying fear of Miami and right-wing diaspora Hispanics, it grips every politician in the United States, and it's a massive fucking problem. Anyways, that's well got on the soapbox there for a second. Um, sorry, hold on. There's another thing, um, real quick. I think that the, truly the biggest, biggest thing for me of a Petro victory, it's two things, right? Peace goes out saying the second thing, integration, 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 right? This isn't going to be an integrationist government. That's critically important. This is a government that's going to push forward on Latin American integration. Obviously, we talked about relations with Venezuela, et cetera, et cetera. That's a big deal. And the last thing I will say here, last thing I'll say here. We talk about this being a government of reform, et cetera, et cetera. There's going to be good stuff. There's going to be bad stuff to me. I don't look at that as like, oh, you see, we're just excusing the bad things that they're going to do. No. What I say, and like we've always said, is that if you have chosen to struggle electorally, this is what you have to accept. You have to accept that you're going to be working in coalitions that are sometimes going to incorporate bourgeois infiltration. It's inevitable. I'm sorry. It is inevitable inevitable if you are choosing the electoral struggle this is what the fuck's gonna happen right but that's a whole other philosophical conversation um this is why to me the model i always champion what the fuck model i always champion venezuela and it makes people so fucking mad right why is that a strong central state that protects people on the ground developing people power that's for me that's my ideal but Bottom line, Colombia, we'll be talking about this a lot. This will be a, a, my God, we're in for a very interesting four years. I'll leave it at that. Back to you, Leroy. Yeah, no worries. Um, a few things I wanted to say, but I completely forgot what it was. Um, so we'll just, we'll just go straight to Puerto Rico um, because, you know, we, we love a good Puerto Rico story. Um, so we'll end it on this because for two reasons, we've, you know, we've vowed to keep Puerto Rico to, to the end because we can be talking about hours about it. And um, also because we want to want to live on a, leave on a on a on a funny note on a on a on a laugh. Um, <laughs> as much as we're abolitionists and as much as we hate prisons and the carceral state, um, sometimes it's really funny when when people get their comeuppance. Um, and what I'm talking about is former Governor Wanda Vasquez Galset, um, who became governor after Ricky Rubio was kicked out of office, um, has Ricky been arrested Rubio. by the FBI. On, did I say Ricky Rubio? Ricky <laughs> Rose, yo, that's my that's my basketball brain. Wait, Ru, I thought that Ricky Rose, yo. Nah, Ricky Rubio is a, is a he's a Spanish basketball player who's in the NBA. Anyway, um, I mean Ricky Rosillo, right? Um, but yeah, so on charges of bribery, campaign finance bullshit. Um, apparently, I think it was something like a Venezuelan banker kind of threw her some some cheddar to um give <laughs> him some concessions for his bank in Puerto Rico or some shit. And of course the uh, fucking the PMP, the criminal organization that it is, they took it. 
Um, and apparently this was a long time coming because they had confiscated her phone like a couple of months ago. So she knew what was up. Um, she's not stupid. She was the minister of justice. She's a lawyer. She was a judge for like many years. So she knew she knows the law. She knows what was up. Um, and now she's going to fucking prison. Yep. Who wants, who wants to take it from there? I'm genuinely bro. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised this still gets people arrested sometimes because it sounds like just like how politics works in places, you know, where, you know, a businessman gives money to a fucking, uh, to a politician in exchange for a favor. It, it always surprises me when people actually go to jail for this shit. Dude, thank you. No, I'm, I'm Captain Buzzkill immediately, right? And Lira, I don't know where the fuck you went. I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. And I think I've made this case before a thousand times in the past. Dude, I'm sorry. Ever since uh, the hurricanes happened and Trump, oh, Puerto Rico, you cost all this money. I'm convinced that there's been a concerted effort from the FBI to arrest Puerto Rican politicians. I'm sorry. I have to say it, right? I have Whoa, to say it. Yes. Because here's the thing. Not just Wanda. Like, uh, this is. there's been mayors that have been arrested in the last couple of years. And they're getting arrested for what happens in the United States every day. Like, I love it. Okay, hold on, hold on. So what Wanda did gets you arrested, but George Bush appointing the CEO of Goldman Sachs as Secretary of Treasury, who then transferred billions straight to Goldman Sachs. Nah, that's not corrupt. That's just business, baby. Like, come on. This happens every day in the United States. It happens every day everywhere. I'm conv- And obviously it's funny. Fuck Wanda. Fuck the Penepes, right? I'm convinced there's some bullshit here, right? That this is like, uh, like, haha, Puerto Ricans, you don't know how to govern yourselves. You're incapable of doing everything, anything. It's corruption. My God, you better just stay in your fucking place, right? And that's why, like, when I first saw the news, like, of course, I was like, oh, okay, that's funny. But, I, like, two things in my mind ring true, right? Which is, one, uh, this is, like, it's to me, it's bullshit that this is, like, portrayed as, like, this uniquely Puerto Rican problem. And the other thing that ring true, rings true in my head, and I'd love to ask this, ask this to you guys, like, is this even going to affect the pen I pay? Like, I mean, like, does anybody even give a fuck? Like, I feel like it's just everybody is aware that they're corrupt as fuck. Like, like going into 2024, like, is it going to make a market different? Like, pen pay is a fucking patriotism network. This is how they exist as a fucking institution. Like, I don't fucking know. Like, for, forgive me for being Captain Buzzkills. I wish I could be more excited about this. Well, no, no. I mean, I, I it's just, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that because you know what does it do? It builds up uh, La Junta as the only exactly. like uh, functioning, functioning quote unquote instant political institution uh, on the islands, right? Uh, I, I don't know if it's like a concerted conspiracy necessarily. Like they're they're intentionally uh, trying to. Uh, you know, make the Puerto Rican government look ridiculous. The Penepes look ridiculous. They don't need the help of the U.S. state to to be fucking clowns. As you said, their entire support system comes through, through being a patronage and client client uh, kind of uh, machine. Um, they have no base. Their base is entirely their their their. I mean, I guess they would have a base based on their uh, the flows of money. Um, but it's just, yeah, I mean, it just seems kind of odd to me that uh, she was arrested for doing what politicians do, right? I mean, I, I assume maybe, you know, maybe this is my more, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, especially, a, especially a boss girl like her? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I maybe this is my more anti-status side coming out, but it's like, I just assume all politicians do this shit. I just assume that when a politician runs for office, if they're not backed by like, you know, people power, they're they're always taking money from like rich people to do favors for them. You know, that's just a baseline assumption. There's no such thing as a pure politician. This this fake. It doesn't exist. <laughs> so, Leroy, I'm curious, what the hell's your take? Like, do you think this affects the Penape in any way or just business as usual? The machine keeps running. Machine keeps running, man. This is we're talking about a colonial state, right? We're talking about neoliberal ingrained colonial state like PMP. Because at the end of all this, like Rick Rosillo was kicked out, right? Popular movement, everyone went to the streets, get kicked them out. It was a well-known fact that the PMP is a criminal organization. Next election, the PMP gets elected again. Like, you know what I mean? Like obviously nowhere near a majority. I think it was only like 33% of the vote, which is not a majority in any way you can shape it. 
but there's still a PMP in the the governor's mansion, right? It's the same bullshit. Like like T, like you said, this is how governments run. Um, inshallah, like in the next election going forward, like we'll see the death of the PPD and the PMP. So the, obviously the, we're talking about the PMP here, the pro statehood part. The PPD is the the crepid, like pro whatever the fuck Puerto Rico is now um, party, right? Hopefully we see the death of them with the rise of um, the MVC, I suppose. Um, mm. The, the people. Um, and like other parties, maybe not um, Project Dignidad, the Crystal Fascist Party, but um, hopefully those will wane. And hopefully, activists on the ground can, I, I suppose, I don't want to say do a better job, but highlight the fact that like the pro statehood party is this criminal organization. So that when you push for statehood, where you where you push for closer ties for a full integration to the U.S. state, you're you're you what you're advocating for is criminality, and I don't mean petty crime like shoplifting. What I'm talking about is defrauding people of their money and their resources and their you know the things they need to live, especially in Puerto Rico. Like what we're talking about here is basically bribery, like basically taking skimming money off the top, putting in your pocket when there's people still still to this day that don't have roofs after Hurricane Maria. Vieques doesn't have a fucking hospital. Like, we're talking about people who are in a dire situation, and we're talking to people at the top who are, you know, for the people, we want a human rights for all, which is why we want, you know, become a state, because, you know, human rights and blah, blah, blah. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? But to answer your question in the short term, the machine's going to keep chucking, because that's what capital does. That's what, that's that's the relationship that exists. And because all these PMP assholes, once they do their 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 shift as governor or in or in government they all go to your neck of the woods in virginia and become lobbyists and shit in in dc you know what i mean like it doesn't matter what the fuck the state of puerto rico is like you have the fortunios of the world in virginia like pushing for the status quo so they can enrich themselves so what the fuck? This is where I always go back to square. Like we talk about whenever we have puerto rico story oh we get all heated or whatever and then i always just get back to square one which is like nothing's ever gonna change. Like, I, is it, okay, so what? Penepe governor again in twenty twenty four? Like, what the? God damn it! Like, what the fuck? Like, how? That's what I'm, I'm saying. That's the thing. Like, so what the fuck? What is even the way forward for the Puerto Rican left? Like, what is even the way forward for the Puerto Rican working class? Like, what the fuck does? I don't know. Shit's fucking depressing. Is I guess is kind of the gist of what I'm getting at there. Do we? We get a minute. Go ahead. Again, amid amid continuing economic crisis, continuing fucking blackouts and brownouts, it's like it, literally every week there's a news story about like a hundred thousand people are without power. Like it just, I don't, I don't know, man. I saw the shit happen. I was there. It was insane. No, but like, yeah. uh, do we do we at least okay for the Schadenfreude or whatever the fuck is that the word I'm looking for here? Do we at least hope or maybe do we think we will see? Pierre Luisi go down at any point. Am I getting too optimistic? Is he the such a fucking boy scout he crosses his T's dots his eyes? Like what do we think? Yeah, I mean, because I think it's a bit different than um Rosselló, because Rosselló, it was well known that the only reason he had that position was because his father was Pedro Rosselló, right? He was like the anointed person. So everyone knew that he has no skills as a politician. He has no <laughs> care for his role. He's there because his dad was there. And then when the text messages came out, that pissed people off. Whereas I guess Pierre Luisi has plausible deniability because, you know, he came up, he, he was a politician, he was a lawyer, he ostensibly has the skills to, you know, occupy the space. You know what I mean? Um, so I think he has that going for him for some reason, but like that's just the way it works. Um I hope he gets his he gets kicked out of office, but to be completely honest, I don't I don't see that happening, especially after Rosillo, after mass mobilizations and everyone coming together and seeing the corruption of the Rosillo administration and nothing really has happened yet as significant, I'm not as hopeful. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I honestly, I, I concur. I concur. Well, I guess we'll end on that dour note. Unless uh, <laughs> unless either you got any other thoughts on that damn. Wanda, what the fuck? I don't know. Um, it's just it's 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 incredible. It's incredible. Um, the fucking FBI man. And it's and it's funny. It's it's 
these like the situation in Puerto Rico is such that we're almost almost like congratulating the FBI for doing their job. You know what I mean? Like like Democrats are congratulating the FBI for taking down Trump. You know what I mean? And like so called leftists. You know what I mean? Like it's as as someone wisely noted online. The FBI can never do a good thing. However, the FBI can do a funny thing. The yeah. FBI can be hilarious sometimes. Yeah. That's the only thing, right? The FBI, by definition, is is our motherfuckers, right? Nothing they do is good. Everything they're the King Midas of shit. Everything they touch turns to shit, right? But they can be hilarious from time to time. And, you know, when they're funny, you laugh. That's all you can yeah. fucking do. I mean, FBI stands for a funny bunch of idiots. Everybody That's knows right. That. You got it. Got it. Yeah. No. Just you're gonna circle back and say I, I as I will continue to believe this is a conspiracy, right? I will continue to Yo. believe that the FBI is intentionally targeting Puerto Rican politicians to prove a point. Uh and that's why I will not be happy, even though fuck Wanda. But that's maybe I'm just here yeah. with this. I don't know. All right. One 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 thousand percent. Um it's always a conspiracy. Because at the end of the day, remember the FBI killed um uh, Filiberto, Alviso Campo, Alviso Campo, Filiberto, like he killed everybody. Everybody, he killed everybody. He killed everybody. The carpeta, that was all FBI bullshit. So, um, anyway, like you said, they can't do a good thing, but they can do a funny thing. But sometimes they can do really unfunny things, like what I just mentioned. Anyway, we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, also apologize if it's if it's a bit like clunky and awkward, or whatever, because my internet connection kept dropping out, so I kept having to restart and whatever. But uh, hopefully, um. We can do a decent job at um, editing this and making it coherent, I suppose, and fluid. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully we can get back on track and kind of put a series of these things back together. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say a couple of things before we before we close out here. One, our dear, dear friend of the show and two-time, is that a record? No, I think Matt Kierkegaard has a record. I think he's been on here three times. Two-time guest, Arepa, right? I know one of Arepa's uh, dear pets passed away recently, so uh, probably sometime tomorrow or over the weekend, there might be a, a fundraiser floating around to, to help compensate Arepa for some of those costs. Um, very sad situation. My heart goes out to her. I'm sure yours hearts do as well. So just wanted to, to mention that. And if anybody uh, would be so kind as to, to donate to help uh, compensate Arepa for some of those costs, that would be deeply appreciated. Um, so there's that. Um, and the second thing I wanted to mention, you kind of touched upon this at the top, Leroy, Chile Constitution. I'm hoping next week or sometime very soon we'll do it. We'll bring a homie back, do a, a real good deep dive on all that. There's there's a lot to really dive into on Chile. So for anybody who's wondering, oh, my God, I'd love to hear you guys talk about Chile or Peru. It's coming, baby, and it's going to be good. Anyways, back to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I was saying before you cut me off. Um, yeah. <laughs> everything, he, everything he just said. Um Keep an eye on Chile, keep an eye on Peru. There's a lot going on. Uh, and yeah, like I said, hopefully we can get our act together and get these things um, rolling in succession. But um, knowing us, who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, if you like what we do, consider uh, showing your solidarity on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Um, Go to wherever you listen to us and leave a rating and a review because apparently that helps um, fudge the algorithm, gets more people exposed to us, which is a good thing, which means we're able to put more content out. We can justify spending more time doing this as well. Um, but yeah, um, with that said, I suppose, unless any of you guys have anything else to say, I will catch you guys next time. Hasta la victoria. Later, y'all. Take it easy.